All right, folks, why don't we get started? Why not? And uh, you're welcome to leave any time you need to leave, right? If you've got 10 minutes to hang around, hang around for 10 minutes. If you've got whatever, whatever. I have, uh, just be very clear, I have no agenda here. I don't have like, we're going to talk about this, and then we're, that's not really what I planned. Um, and so, really, anything is fair game here. Uh, you might have questions or things you want to say about what I said this morning. Maybe you want to push back. You're welcome to push back on anything I said or ask questions about anything I said. Maybe you have questions about the current war and the situations and circumstances around it. Maybe you have questions about the larger historical context in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Am I going to be able to answer everything? I'm sure not. I'll just say if I don't know, I don't know. Um, but let's see what kind, of, what kind of dialogue there is and what kind of uh, questions there might be or things you're wondering about or things that you're not sure, they don't make sense, or you can't quite make, again, heads or tails, of, and we'll see if there's some clarity that can come. So who's going to be brave enough to start? Deb. And I'm going to, um, I'll start by repeating the question, but I might actually pass the microphone around because I don't know where it is. I want, uh, I want the people online to be able to hear your questions. I know no one likes a microphone, but we do want the people online to be able to hear us. So, Deb, what's your question? I'll repeat it this time. Yeah, I think you're asking maybe a question about the simplifications we make, right? How do we, um, how do we not see Palestinians' things as, um, or not paint them all in one way or as all terrorists? How do we uh, maybe say something critical about Israel, but how, how do we do it in a way that doesn't mean we're anti-Semitic? Is that kind of your question? Yeah, they're not the same. Yeah, I don't know. Next question? Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, this, this is, um, I think, part of the way that we, that we move away from the oversimplification is we, we have to rehumanize whoever it is that we tend to simplify or, or demonize or dehumanize. This is like what, this is the gift of coming on a tour that we lead, is that you meet human beings. And what was just a category now becomes a human. And that, that is a fundamental shift. So if you are not planning a trip to Israel-Palestine soon, then you would be wise, I think, to find trusted voices who are Israeli, who are Palestinian, who can speak to what is happening there from a variety of angles. And their stories can help rehumanize this conflict so that it, it moves away from just being them versus us and us versus them. But that takes work, that takes time. Yeah. If you don't know, if you want to do that, if you're curious about, well, where do I go to do that, I, I would be happy to point you in the direction of some people. 
you'll just have to like tap me on the shoulder or send me an email right now. You have a phone, send me an email and say, hey, I'd like you to point me to some people. Um, in the handout I gave, one of the links I think at the top is to uh, Josh's Substack page. Substack is just like a blog, essentially, where all people, kinds of people blog. And in one of the articles that he has posted is a list of Twitter uh, folks and other people that you can follow on social media who will provide various, a, a variety of perspectives and who will help rehumanize. I think that's what we have to do. Uh, so uh, to that point, I'll just, and then we can go to the next question, I'll just say that the film that Josh has made, which by the way, I didn't say this, you can come to Celebration Cinema, I think there's something about seeing it in a theater and with a group of people, and Josh will be there and he'll do some Q&A afterwards, so there's some benefits maybe. We're also making it available on YouTube. Uh, anybody can watch it for free, that's coming in the next couple days, so if you can't make it on the 12th, there will be a way to see it. Um, but that film does help people understand the wall and other uh, tools that Israel uses. Who else has a question? My dear uncle. Oh, I, I just want to address this issue. I know you don't want Okay, sure. I, you want me to repeat it? Okay, fine. Yep. Yeah. All right. You're my elder. I respect you. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the age-old question why uh, Joe is saying if, if half of Israel uh, is for a two-state solution, then why can't a solution be found? Um, or why isn't there maybe a more vocal protest against the way in which Israel is going about this current war? Um, I, one thing I would say is that I'm not sure that half... I, I'd have to look at some, some recent polling. I know one... One recent poll, it wasn't, it was like four or five elections ago, but in Israel, that, that's a short period of time, right? Five elections for us is 20 years, not in Israel because they have a parliamentary and they've had a real trouble forming governments. Relatively recently, when people were asked in exit polls, where does the Palestinian and Israeli conflict rank in the, in the issues that you are concerned about in voting on? It was 14th. Number five was cottage cheese, the price of cottage cheese. I'm not joking. Some of our exit polling, by the way, is not particularly encouraging either when you, when you watch what people are voting on. Um, but that's another conversation. How, so I, I don't know what the numbers are, Joe. I, I think that actually what has happened in Israel, I think you would probably have to say in the last decade for sure, is that the average Israeli citizen doesn't have to think about Palestine. They live in relative comfort and safety. 
yes, Hamas occasionally fires rockets, but it's their homemade rockets that are easily shot down by the Iron Dome system 99 out of 100 times. Um, and so people go about their lives. If you visit Jaffa, for example, I was there uh, about six weeks ago, it's gorgeous and it's thriving and it's this incredible metropolitan city. You had no sense that there was this decades-long conflict involving your, there was just no sense of it. The only place where you get it in Israel is Jerusalem because West Jerusalem is Jewish, East Jerusalem is Palestinian, and that divide is clear and tangible. Um, most everywhere else, it's just not on the, on the minds of people. Um, and so that's a real problem. You know, there isn't a will, a political will to do much, or there hasn't been. Will this conflict change things? Who's to say? I mean, I, I just don't know. But um, that's part of the reason why there's no solution. The other part is that it's wildly complex with decades of trauma uh, that's unaddressed largely. No one recognizes the trauma of the other, and so we get nowhere. That's, that's the other part. I don't know if that helps or not, but. Jeff, you had a question? I'm gonna give you the mic. I'm a, you're not my elder, so. I don't know, when were you born? Um, <laughs> you might be my elder. I might, by a couple days. Uh, I guess I want to go back to what you're talking about, and like, no one's trying to bomb my house, right? Yep. But I still have the urge when someone says something about me to get vengeance. So what, what personal work, well, I mean, what do you think, what personal work can be done to walk away from that? I, mean, I think the urge is always there, right? Yeah. It's just we're humans. Yep. But what, what personal work can be done to walk away from that urge or to be able to break that spell quicker, if that makes sense? It's a great question. There's some therapists in the room. Do you want to say anything? Either of you? Um, yeah. 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 I will. I was just thinking. I. I think. I think. This is just. Um, we have to have a relationship with that part of ourselves that wants vengeance. So even acknowledging it, I think, is the beginning. Like, to actually consciously feel, this is me. And then if I have a relationship with that part of myself, I can maybe slow down enough to make a choice about how I behave. And then maybe be with someone who I love, who could support me in my anger, in my vengeance without exacting it in a behavior that would like lead to a future I don't want. Yeah. I don't know if that. I think that's, that's helpful. I'll, I'll say something that I've been thinking about a lot, and it connects to what you just said, so it made me think about it. I don't need this. Um, you said when we are angry, when we've been hurt, we sometimes need a, a friend a loved one who's trustworthy to sit with us because we can't see clearly, right? Israel has been traumatized in, in unimaginable ways. And the, on the international stage, the closest thing to a friend is an ally, maybe? I mean, it's not the same, but I've been thinking about that. What, 
And what closer ally does Israel have than the United States? So I'm going to get a little political here, and I apologize. You're certainly welcome to disagree with me. It won't be the first time. Um, I, I am not sure we're being a very good friend at the moment. Um, there have been little things that have been said by the administration to caution Israel to not act out of rage, but it's been little, in my opinion. Most of what we have said has really been a blank check to let them respond however they want to. And that troubles me because I see the cost of it in Gaza right now and I wonder, I, I really don't in a sense, well, I would like Israel's leaders to lead better than they are Yes, but I also recognize the trauma that they've experienced, and they might need someone to come upside and say, hey, we see your pain. This is horrendous, and this path that you are on is only going to make things worse. Because I, I do believe that. I think that this current trajectory is only going to make things worse, um, and it really won't bring the future that Israel hopes. Who else has a thought or a question you want to push back on that? Deb, I'm going to see if anybody else does. Anybody else have a question? Sorry. Here we go. Um, so, as a history teacher... Ooh. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I get into obviously the background and the backstory of this, and I'm not going to go there. If you want to figure it out, there's a lot of places you can go look. Um, but the idea that gets brought up when I teach this is, is how, like, how would have you stopped? How do you stop war? Is there a point in time where there's the quote unquote just war? And that is such a complicated thing, you know, um, and it's hard for the United States to talk to Israel about it when 9-11 happened, or, you know, we, yeah. we, you know, one thing happened to us, and we went, we decided that it was important to go get our vengeance, and, you know, lots of things have happened to Israel. So is there a point in time where you do have to step up to stop a Hitler is there a point in time where there is a situation where you do have to step up? And I'm not saying that that is the case right now. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, how do you talk about or have that conversation in my classroom in a way that doesn't seem trivial and trite to a lot of people yeah. who have spent a lot of time thinking about it? What is, here, here's what I, I guess I'll, I'll offer, because uh, the, what you're asking is, and you know this, is, is a, an issue and a topic that has been debated for centuries, right? What is the, I'm viewing it from a Christian perspective, what's the Christian view of war, when do we, when is war just, what should we do? I, I don't really know the answer to that question. I think what I, what troubles me in this moment is that 
um, does Israel have a legitimate right to respond to the attacks by Hamas? I would say yes. Hamas is a dangerous organization that wreaks pain and death. I mean, that seems clear, at least in part. So should something be done? This is my opinion again, just mine. Yes. But how is it done? And right now, to, to try and give you some sense of this conflict, um, in the first week of this war, Israel dropped 6,000 bombs in an area the size of twice of Washington, D.C. So two Washington, D.C.s is, if that helps, roughly the state of Delaware is the size of Gaza, 6,000 bombs. To put that, we have, what does that mean? We have no sense of what that means. One maybe helpful way to get some perspective on that, when we were fighting the war in Afghanistan, the result of our vengeance, um, 20 years, only in four of those years did we drop more than 6,000 bombs in a year on a country. I don't know, you know, how, I, I don't, I can't quite get my head around how that is a responsible response that has any sense of the humanness of the Palestinian people in mind. I just don't know how to, how to do that. And again, it's, I, it's not that I'm saying Israel should just do nothing or that what Hamas did is fine, but um, to cut off food and water, let alone drop 6,000 bombs, take the bombs off the table. I'm not a military strategist. I don't know. To cut off food and water from 2.3 million people, I have no room for that in, in my kind of view of things. Um, it is... It feels wildly indiscriminate. Um, so there, there's some strong opinions from me. But um, I, so I, I don't even know if I've answered your question, Matt, other than I, I don't, you know, I think we kind of go, well, are, do we, are we going to, will we stop Hitler or not? I don't know that it's like one or the other. It's more about responding to the situations in front of us in the, the way, the best way that we can, and yes, this is messy, and, and yes, uh, the fog of war, and yes, and all those things, I get that. But what's happening right now doesn't need to be happening this way, is my opinion. And that concerns me greatly, that our government is essentially giving a green light to it. That concerns me as well. Okay. Kevin. You, you say our, our government is essentially giving a green light to it. Um, I think maybe what concerns me more is that the evangelical church in America gives the green light to it and seems to think that there's some sort of uh, spiritual or biblical justification for why Israel should be in charge should have their way, um, you know, Jesus was a Jew, yep. and God loves Israel, and all this kind of spiritual aspect, like, yep. I don't know if you can talk to that at all, that, I mean, the government's going to do what the government's going to do, but as someone that 
sort of identifies as a member of the American church. <laughs> just like, how did the church get here in this, I don't know, wildly unbiblical, to me, sort of view? <laughs> How did we get here? Yeah, that's, that's a big question. It's a good question. I think it's an important question. Um, I, I can't unpack that uh, in its entirety at all. But, I mean, the, the shortest version I can do off the top of my head is to simply say, you know, that in the, in the 40s when Israel became a state, there was uh, a belief, a growing belief that... Israel achieving statehood would kind of unlock a set of circumstances that would ultimately bring the return of Jesus. You know, this is the reading of, of biblical prophecy in a certain way um, that put Israel's statehood front and center. Um, and not every Christian thought that. I mean, of course, and not all Christians think that right now. But there is that is, sort of a dispensationalist sort of theology? Probably if you're of that camp, yeah, if you um, view the world in terms of ages, having kind of ages, which is dispensational, um, these blocks of time, yeah, you might see the coming of Israel to uh, having a state again would be the, maybe the ushering in of a new age or a new period that would, would ultimately culminate in the return of Jesus. Um, again, not all Christians think this, but this is quite, it is quite common. Um, you even get it when you're over there in Israel. You bump into tour groups that are, you overhear tour guides. I mean, it's, it's very common uh, for, for people to kind of view things that way. Maybe uh, that's not the case. I mean, I think there are some Christians who are in that camp. There are other Christians who maybe more, as you, I think, also said, just view the Jewish people as God's chosen people. And so there's kind of a, as as us Christians connected to them, Jesus being a Jew, we should be for Israel. It's just kind of a natural support. Listen, I'm all for supporting Israel. I think Israel should have its own state. I think that's a good thing. I also want Israel to act in a way that's humanely. I also want Israel to act in a way that respects the lives of Palestinian people. And I think, on large, that is not what happens. Um, the Israeli government intentionally for, well, really, since its inception, has tried to keep the Palestinian people a second-class people, um, at best, frankly, at best. So. Um, and that's not to say the Palestinians don't have blame. You know, they've done plenty in, in the decades to um, walk away from peace opportunities or certain rem, you know, elements of Palestinian uh, culture, Hamas being one of them, has done very violent things. That certainly doesn't lead toward peace. We've already talked about that. So again, it's not one or the other. It's, it is both and, but Israel's the one Let's also be clear who has the power in this situation. Let's be very clear about that. Um, someone said, comparing Israel's military to the Palestinian, they don't have a military, of course, 
Um, they're not allowed to. They're not allowed to have any weapons legally in any way, shape, or form. So comparing to seeing the, the power of, of Palestine to the power of Israel's military is like comparing the United States military to a militia in Michigan. It's just a joke. Can they wreak some havoc? Yes. Can they cause harm? We've seen that. Yep. But proportionally, it's, it's nowhere close. So who has the power in this dynamic? It's overwhelmingly Israel. And I want to see Israel use its power well, in short. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Kevin, you're making me think of something. I'm wondering, like, for me, there was such a shock um, knowing the history of Israel, or I shouldn't say Israel, the Jewish people. They would be the last group I would imagine would harm another group because they've experienced so, so much. much horrible trauma. That That's a whole history. It's just like, Constant displacement, constant ripping of people, tearing children out of mother's arms. So it's so confusing to me that I wonder also, like, as someone who would just know the history of that people, Christians, if you would, like, be so slow to believe that that group of people could ever exact harm on another group. It's like it was a real... Um, unwelcomed truth that I learned. And I guess that gets, oh, Jeff's not here anymore. That gets back to the, um, the thing about how natural our want for vengeance actually is and how we need to really be honest with that and honor it and talk to each other about it so that it doesn't slip out um, and we could end up doing to somebody else like these horrors that we've experienced. Yeah. It's such a crisis. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. Hmm. One more. We'll do one final one, and that that'll be right. It'll be uh, a, a good a good dialogue, and then we'll also be out of here on time for Gate Baptist to to get going. Sarah Jane, do you want to just shout it out? Yeah. Yep. Okay, thank you. Um, let's see. I think, as with many circumstances that our nation and world go through, I find myself either shifting into like this very reactive state or a complete collapse state yeah. in overwhelm. Yeah. And so I've been finding myself and others often wondering, well, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, right, right. Disengage. Right. Or this is too horrific. Yep. I can't take it in. Yeah. Or this reactiveness, which can be more harmful in the long run, right? Because it's not responsive. Yeah. So I've found myself constantly wondering, what is mine to do right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would just love to hear <laughs> what... I know that's not a blanket answer for every human in this space, but it, it leads me just wondering, like, how do we not collapse long-term, and how do we also not react to perpetuate more harm? And how do we do that in a way that doesn't um, 
not only harm our neighbor, but harm ourselves in the long run. So we'd just love if you could speak to that in any way, shape, or form about what you find yourself doing or how you're encouraging other people to move through that. Um, because it is quite a bit, right? I think we've, we were here in 2020. We were here, before, and we're going to be here again. That's right. Yeah, we'll be here again yep. with something else. First, I will just say to you that this has been a struggle for me, too. And it's, a, it's different this time because my job, or a job I have, really requires me to be in the know, right? To be able to talk intelligently about what's happening. And that's good. That's fine. But overwhelm, yeah. I have felt that collapse. I've been really close a couple times. I, I think that if we can even just be aware of the possibility of this tension, we're, we're moving in the right direction. In other words, for me to know that I have to be very mindful about how much I'm consuming here is a very helpful step. That awareness can then lead me to choose something hopefully intentional instead of just getting sucked into the pit. I would say also, so this is just me speaking personally, what I found, I need people. I cannot do this or racial reconciliation work, or any big thing by myself. Uh, everything from processing with Josh, that's helpful, to Bethany saying yesterday when I was flipping through the channels and stopped on their hour-long coverage of, uh, of the war, she says from the other room, what you doing? You know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I probably don't need to do this right now. Um, and then, and then I think it's, it's also, for me, it is, it's helpful to try and, and anchor these macro, huge issues here. It helps ground me here um, so that I, if I am wondering and, and curious about where vengeance might be showing up in my life, then it isn't just this massive international conflict that I really do have very little power to change. Um, I can look at that and I can try and hold space for that and I can act where it's possible to act, um, but I, I have the most influence here and so how, how and what can I do here? The final thing I will maybe just say here is that, let's boop back to what I said. We have very little power to change a war. I think that's important to admit because if we feel like we have, if, if we don't admit that, then maybe operating in the background is this idea that we do have the power to change it. And that puts us in a really tough spot. So admit it, there's, there's not a lot you can do. That's not to say there's nothing you can do. I know, well, 
I'll speak personally, I'm cynical about politics these days. Yet, I am in a democracy where my vote does matter. Do I have a level of awareness about what my representatives think about this issue? Could I write them a five-minute email? This matters to me. Does it matter to you? Question mark. What's your positions? Send. Um, these sorts of things do matter, potentially. I'm not saying everyone should do that. I'm not trying to get a campaign going, but you know, there's that. Um, your, your resources might matter, could matter. Our resources, your resources. There are organizations on the ground, Palestinians and Israelis, who are doing concrete good work to try and break down this divide. You could choose to support them if you felt led to. And then the final thing I'll say that is within our power to act is conversation with people who are in our circles. So this is coming up. And I think we can say to people we know and love, um, well, here's what I'm learning. Or here are the things I'm wrestling with. Or I appreciate your viewpoint, but I see it differently. Here how, here's how I've been, and this has been helpful. To, right? I mean, these sorts of things, what, what were there in the room today? You know, I don't know, 70, 80 people. If every one of us talked to two people and those people talked to two, you get how this works. We minimize our impact and say, what can I do? Well, actually, your actions do have impact. So maybe that's another one, is to be in dialogue when we can. Thanks. Thanks for sticking around. We'd love to, hey, you want to have a cup of coffee because this didn't quite answer all the questions or other things come up. Let's chat. We'd love to do it. Watch the film. Join in. And again, thanks for being here today. Appreciate you.